You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. and the Pharisees would never get together on anything, but they will get together against Jesus. Amazing how you can do all kinds of charitable things, you know, and the world thinks it's great until you say we're doing it in the name of Jesus. We're doing the same thing. We're doing good. We're doing good. We're reaching out, but we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And that's when they, that's when they get all, all messed up about it because it's in the name of Jesus. We're doing it for Jesus because it's spiritual. There's an unseen battle raging in the world around us. Satan, who is determined to fight against God for eternity, is actively running a misinformation campaign against him, making God out to be a cruel, dangerous deity. You can do good deeds, but if you try to share the truth of Jesus with the lost, you'll quickly face opposition. As Pastor Danny explains in today's message, these people have been deceived and grown hard in their hearts, and they don't want anyone to tell them that they need saving. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 John chapter 3 with today's edition of The Living Word. If you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you're determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. And they say, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. Verse 42, Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own. He sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. Wow. Very religious people that are not saved. And there'll be religious people in the world. And they will hate us because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And they hate us. For no reason. It's spiritual. This is a very, well, for, for a while it was a troubling verse to me. I didn't understand it. We're hated because of righteousness. Uh, this verse, Romans 5, 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. I didn't understand that verse for a while. Didn't understand it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's with the Lord now, but he, he is writing his messages. Here's what he says from one of them. The world does not hate good people. The world only hates Christian people. That is the subtle, vital distinction. If you are just a good person, the world, far from hating you, will admire you. It will cheer you. You understand what he's getting at? Those who are truly children of God, righteous by faith. If you're a good person in the world, you know, the world's going to love you. But you see, it's a spiritual thing. Once you get connected with Jesus, the right Jesus, then there's a problem because it's spiritual. And the hatred, listen to this, it comes from all kinds of diverse groups. I mean, groups that have nothing in common, that would never get together on an issue. Matthew 22 talks about the Herodians and the Pharisees getting together to come and try to catch Jesus and, and, and condemn him about something he says. They're trying to trap him. Of course, nobody ever could. But the Herodians and the Pharisees getting together on anything is, is more improbable, almost impossible, than the Democrats and Republicans getting together on anything. The Herodians advocated compromise uh, with Herod and with Rome uh, because they wanted, they wanted no trouble. But the Pharisees, no, they didn't have that same opinion. 
And the Herodians and the Pharisees would never get together on anything, but they will get together against Jesus. Amazing how you can do all kinds of charitable things, you know, and the world thinks it's great until you say we're doing it in the name of Jesus. We're doing the same thing. We're doing good. We're doing good. We're reaching out, but we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And that's when they, that's when they get all, all messed up about it because it's in the name of Jesus. We're doing it for Jesus because it's spiritual. And look, look we're going to leave this, but it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus told us. The world hated me. It's going to hate you. And it won't because you've done something wrong. Now, you might do something wrong, but this is not the reason. <laughs> it's spiritual. It's because you're connected to me. Now, I got a, a really difficult question to ask you. And if you got the answer, if you got the answer when I ask it, I want you to answer me out loud, out loud. As soon as you think you got the answer, I want you to answer me out loud. You got it? Here's the question. What is the opposite of hate? Love. You're just as smart as the other two services. <laughs> Go back to 1 John. So don't be surprised. The world's going to hate us. But look at verse 14 of 1 John 3. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Then it gets real practical, verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Now, did you catch the practicality in that? Whenever I'm going... Gosh, am I really saved? I just don't feel like I'm saved sometimes. I don't feel like I act like I'm saved sometimes. And right here he's saying, one of the ways I can know that's an evidence, an evidence that I'm the real deal is love. But not love, not just, not just oh, I'm praying for you, not just I love you. No, what I do. If I can't look at my life, if I can't look at my life and see where some of my paycheck some of my possessions, perhaps, actually goes in a tangible way to help somebody. If there's no track record of that in my life, that's a real problem. That's a real problem because this is one of the evidences. This is how much I set my heart at rest. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. And we can really look at our lives and go, is there anything about my life, especially on this point, where I'm a giver and not just a taker? Am I spending my paycheck just on me and just on my family? Are my possessions, are they just for me and my family? It's amazing how many times... Uh, this comes up in, in the scriptures. I just want you to go to a few with me, just a few. Just go to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. I mean, it just repeatedly comes up. Just watch this. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, is the parable of the Good Samaritan, we call it. And Jesus told the parable in response to an expert in the law asking him a question. This is a guy who knows his Bible backwards and forward. He's an expert in the law. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
He says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Verse 27, the guy says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he wanted to justify himself. So he said, so who's my neighbor? And then Jesus told the parable. The guy who gets robbed going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So the implication is he's a Jewish man. He gets robbed. He gets beaten. Priest comes by, doesn't do anything. Levite comes by, doesn't do anything. And the most least likely person, a Samaritan, because Samaritans and Jews had no relationship. They didn't like each other. And the Samaritan, look what it says in verse 34. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him. Next day, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus said to the expert in the law, go and do likewise, and that'll be the evidence that you have eternal life. That'll be the evidence. Not only love, but love to someone in a tangible, practical way that you wouldn't even normally associate with. You don't have warm, fuzzy feelings about, but that'll be the evidence. Now, you go from here, Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. A guy in the crowd says, Jesus my brother won't give me the inheritance. And Jesus says, man, who made me an arbiter between you and your brother? And then he takes the opportunity and he says, watch out for all kinds of greed. Then he tells another parable about a rich man who produced, had a, a good crop. And I mean, he just, his stock investment just goes crazy basically. And he says, what am I going to do? I'll just build bigger barns and I'll retire early and I'll take life easy. And God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul will be required from you. This is your last day living on planet Earth. You're going to die. Then who's going to get what you saved up for yourself? This is how to be with anyone who's rich in this life, but not rich toward God. And then you look, chapter 12, verse 32 of Luke. Listen to what Jesus said. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. For no, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then you go to chapter 16. And boy, does Jesus really upset the Pharisees here. Here's what he says to them. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Notice the next verse. The Pharisees who loved money and heard all this were sneering at Jesus. They didn't like what he had to say. We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. Pastor Danny will continue his study in 1 John next time, so we hope you'll join us again. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the gospel of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray also for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the living word? 
This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from God's truth. That does incur some costs, however. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thanks for praying about this. That website once more is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on The Living Word.